As the story of the breach at Epsilon, an email marketing services provider, unfolds, what lessons about risk can we glean? And how could a breach like this have occurred? Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. I'm here today with Lisa Soto, managing partner at law firm Hunton & Williams, where she specializes in privacy, data security, and management issues. Lisa, news of this breach is just beginning to surface, and many industry sources are speculating about what may have happened. What are your thoughts based on the information you've seen released since the breach came to light on Friday? Thanks very much, Tracy. Based on news reports uh, of the incident, it appears that an unauthorized person obtained email addresses of a number of customers of some prominent companies. Those companies include uh, folks like J.P. Morgan Chase, TiVo, Kroger, Marriott, and Walgreens. And when we talk about the ability to get a hold of some of these email addresses, what do you think may have happened? Do you think that an insider may have inadvertently clicked on some kind of phishing link or given out information that shouldn't have been revealed? Security breaches happen in a myriad uh, in myriad ways. Sometimes uh, it's a result of an insider's activity, and often, of course, it's a result of, of, a, of an external hacking incident. So it may be any one of those things. I have not seen specific reports identifying the cause for this security breach. And does it appear that Epsilon may have neglected to encrypt databases that contained sensitive consumer information? Well, typically, Tracy, you wouldn't encrypt this sort of data. Uh, data that's encrypted is considered uh, more sensitive information like social security numbers or credit card information. So email addresses themselves are not considered to be the sort of information that you might encrypt. In addition, an email address uh, by itself is not subject to the data breach notification laws in the United States, which would require that you notify the individuals whose information was compromised. Interesting. And so a number of these reports that we've seen coming out about companies that have been breached, some of those companies have actually been reaching out to their customers to tell them that there has been a breach and that they may get some kind of phishing email. Are these companies just doing this more as a precautionary measure or just to help perhaps with the loyalty of their customers rather than being obligated to do so? That's exactly right. There is not a legal obligation to notify of a, an event of this sort where the only data compromised was an email address. But, of course, it is critically important to maintain your consumer's trust and that's why I think companies are reaching out to their to their customers and consumers to let them know that this has happened so that, number one, they're maintaining their trust, and number two, they're warning them of the possibility of phishing uh, events that might follow on the heels of this incident. And, of course, it's incumbent upon uh, companies to... Uh, to maintain their business in a secure manner and to check to make sure that their service providers are doing so. Now, you've probably already answered this next question, but I'm going to go ahead and pose it anyway, Lisa. And that question relates to cardholder data. Now, in this particular incident, we don't believe that any cardholder data was compromised, but if email addresses are housed, names are housed, and it doesn't take that much to link those email addresses to certain companies, I'm just wondering if there may be a tether to cardholder data. And if there is a tether, what legal implications might there be for a breach of this sort if it's determined that files were not encrypted? Yeah, this does not appear to be a breach of cardholder data. Um, again, it looks like it's just email addresses. Cardholder data is really much more specific, and that would mean personal uh, the, the personal account number uh, that is on the card or number associated with, with a card. 
or with a financial account. Um, the, the, the interesting issue here is that with a name and an email address, you could write a more personalized uh, email to uh, one of the, the data subjects, and that email uh, could prompt a response with information that you might not otherwise disclose in an email. So that's why we're seeing these warning emails from, from companies like J.P. Morgan Chase and others who are sending customers these warning notices saying, we don't ask for any information in emails, and please don't provide it if you're asked by someone who's impersonating us. Now, one source also suggested when we go back to how some of this information may have been obtained, to talk about the need for dual-factor or multi-factor authentication when it comes to actually accessing databases internally. Is this a common practice, though? Do companies do this when it comes to internal files that may contain information that's not deemed that sensitive, such as email addresses? Yeah, it is not typically used for this sort of data. Dual-factor authentication is used for, for sensitive data like financial account number, social security number. Um, it is not typically used for information like email addresses. So I would not expect to see multi-factor authentication uh, involved with respect to email addresses. Email addresses for a company like Epsilon really need to be very available for use um, and are, are really not considered the... Uh, terribly sensitive sort of data that, that would demand that kind of deep authentication. There really are no legal ramifications per se. In this country, we require data breach notification where there's a, a, a compromise of name plus social security number, uh, payment card number, bank account number, or driver's license number. And then there are some states that also include other information like health information, uh, date of birth, for example. But for email address alone, there really is not a legal obligation. Now, so that's different where you have a standard like a payment card industry data security standard that, that has lots of uh, uh, obligations, de facto uh, legal obligations, because they're imposed by the payment card industry surrounding that sort of data. For email addresses, what you really have is reputational risk for the company uh, to whom a consumer has given an email address who trusts that at that company to maintain that data securely. And then going back to talk about how these email addresses, when they're linked to a specific company, could actually be used in a targeted attack, you know, we've heard consumers reaching out already saying that they've been receiving emails from a number of the entities with, with whom they have relationships, such as Best Buy and J.P. Morgan Chase. What should financial institutions and other entities, for that matter, be doing when it comes to working with consumers? What should they be doing as far as reaching out to help their consumers know what's going on and how this breach occurred and how it might adversely affect them? Yeah, that is, of course, the great fear is that there will be phishing, phishing uh, attempts here. It's very important, of course, for companies to reach out to their consumers. The, the key is to, is to maintain their trust and not make consumers fearful about providing information like an email address that these companies really uh, need to be able to market to their consumers. So important to maintain that trust, important to reach out and to see um, what a company can do to assist uh, a consumer who's been, who's been affected by this sort of a phishing incident. And Lisa, do you think that this particular incident could be devastating to e-commerce and or online banking? No, I don't think it can be devastating at all. I do think um, these are uh, these these types of events provide important warning signals 
to those those companies that maintain data about individuals and their service providers. Of course, it's very important to have a strong information security program in place um, and to ensure that any company that you're dealing with as a service provider has that sort of um, strong information security also to protect the consumer's data. And so we've talked about some next steps that companies are taking retailers, financial institutions, even those within the hospitality industry. But I'm wondering about other entities and industries. Uh, Should they be on guard or preparing themselves for some potential connection to this breach? Well, sure. Anybody who uses Epsilon, I think, needs to be um, sort of on on guard uh, to see if they, in fact, their customers uh, were victims of this this event as well. Uh, So, Anybody using Epsilon really ought to be inquiring of Epsilon as to whether their data was, uh, was, was affected by this incident and conducting any kind of investigation they deem appropriate um, under the circumstances. In addition, um, companies really do want to make sure that they have strong contractual uh, obligations in place with respect to service providers like Epsilon to ensure that they, they are providing the same sort of security that the company itself would provide with respect to the data. And Lisa, what final thoughts would you like to share, especially where the security of information is concerned, as it perhaps could be linked to financial transactions? Well, I think the key is that data security is absolutely critical, and we're seeing that more and more, um, and it's, it's certainly been the case over the last couple of years. We need to step up our efforts in that regard. Um, security, data security really needs to become the corporate mantra everywhere, and it has to become part of the corporate ethos. Um, We all need to stay one step ahead of the bad guys because the bad guys are out there and they're very talented, so we need to become even more sophisticated than they are. Lisa, I'd like to thank you again for your time today. Thank you very much. Again, we've just heard from Lisa Soto, a privacy and data security expert who practices law at Hunton & Williams. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.